Well, good morning, Aldergrove. How are you doing today? Awesome. It is so good to see you. My name is Kevin. I have the amazing job. I, I love my job. I get to lead our Aldergrove campus, which is where you are today. Uh, I have the best job in the world. And uh, as, as Matthew said earlier, we're coming up on our first birthday. Uh, our first birthday is going to be on Thanksgiving, and we're really excited about that. And, and I've been thinking about our first year a lot, the last little bit. And uh, to be honest, there are way more of you in this room than I thought would be here a year into this project. Uh, and, and it makes me so excited. And so I've, I've been asking people over the last little bit, like, why, why have you made this year your home church? And, uh, and so I've, I asked it at the Newcomers Open House last week. And just as I've been getting to know people, I'm like, what, what about Aldergrove has made you want to make this your church home? I want you to guess how many people have said preaching. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Okay, zero people. Uh, I also had uh, not very many for, for worship, not very many for all sorts of things. But here's what almost everyone has said. They said uh, that when I came here for the first time, within 10 minutes, I felt like I was at home. And, and for me, that has been such an amazing compliment because even though we try and have great preaching and uh, engaging worship and quality program for our kids and youth, and we try and do all these things really well, uh, you feeling like home here, that's a Holy Spirit thing. That's not a program thing. And I'm so thankful for what God has been doing here this last year. It still feels very special to be a part of this community. Every week, I sit in the front here and I just think, wow, we get to do this again. And uh, it is so special to be a part of this church family with you. And so if you are new or if you're just checking it out, you're in a good place where we're exploring what it means to follow Jesus together. And, uh, and I, I'm very thankful for your participation in this church family. It is, it is a great place to be home, and, and it's all the Holy Spirit and his work. You are here right now on our final, fourth and final week of a series that we're calling Love and Light, which is all about sharing the good news like Jesus. Because when Jesus came, he came and he shared some really, really good news. It was really, really good news when he came. It's been really good news for the last 2,000 years, and it's really good news for us today. The good news is that God's light and love came into the world through the person of Jesus Christ, and that he offers us a new life and forgiveness of our sins, and a new hope and a new purpose, and that he changes lives even today. So I always like to start with a, a little bit of review and talk about what, what kind of came before when we're in a series. And so week one was when John preached, and he, and he was sharing about what it means to say to our friends and family, like, to come and see the difference that Jesus has made in my life, kind of like Philip inviting Nathaniel or the woman at the well, to just kind of come and see, not come and listen and not come and let me convince you, but just come and see who Jesus is. And that when we share Jesus, it's not about us trying to force something on someone. In the same way that we share our favorite things, uh, we, we share things like uh, cookie butter. That's what John loves, right? That was his thing. For me, it's air fryers. Every family should have an air fryer. Whether Yes, that's right. Whether it's art or music or whatever it is that you're interested in, when people are spending time with you, you share the things that you love and care about. And that's all evangelism is. It's just sharing how much love and care we have for Jesus and the difference that he has made in our lives. So that was week one. And then two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be salt and light as a church and as followers of Jesus, and that our lifestyle needs to demonstrate the difference that Christ makes in our lives, that the things we say about following Jesus and the way we behave as followers of Jesus, 
those things need to kind of be in lockstep and line up with each other. That first thing that happens with evangelism is that we are evangelized and we are transformed, and then that makes a difference to the world around us, and it causes us to live in a way that blesses other people, where we bring flavor to the world like salt does, where we illuminate and we point people to Jesus the way light lets us see what is there. So that was week two. And then last week, we talked about what it means to cultivate good conversations. And uh, we said that, that more than anything else, this is what I learned last week, more than anything else, people today need Christians to listen without, what was it that we have to exclude? Judgment. That people want more than anything for Christians to listen without judgment and to hear what they have to say. So before we share our thoughts about life or faith or God or Jesus, we first need to listen to what other people, what our friends have to say about life and faith and God and Jesus. And when we listen to what they say without judgment, we get to hear their hearts, and we get to hear where they are, and there's something beautiful and, and, and almost supernatural about how God works in just creating environments where people can share what is on their hearts. And then, uh, so we create spaces where listening without judgment can happen. And, and we ask really good questions like Jesus did, and we point conversations towards things that matter because we all kind of crave conversations of substance, even though we're all kind of afraid to go there sometimes. And then today, we're going to talk about our priorities and our affections. Okay, here are some things that I love. Uh, I was just reminded, and I was thinking about it today, uh, five o'clock today is the Canucks first preseason game. <sighs> Yes, I have missed the Canucks so much. Like, I am so excited uh, to, to be watching the Canucks later today. Um, Friday night, I was at a Coldplay concert. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. Was anyone here at Coldplay this weekend? Yes, and those of you that were that were amazing, Brian Adams showed up. It was pretty cool, uh, and, and so uh, I love Coldplay. I love Mexican food. My favorite place to get Mexican food is in the States across from Bellis Fair. I can never remember what it's called, uh, but there's a great Mexican place there. That's where Christina and I love to go. I love my family. I love my wife and kids, and so I have these loves for different things, and these are all good things. Now, if, if my love for Mexican food outweighed my love for my kids, you would say, you're a horrible father right? If my love for Coldplay eclipsed my love for Christina, you would say that I've got misplaced loves or displacement in, in, in the loves that I have in my life. But if my loves are ordered correctly, we find freedom in this because things are in their proper place. So for me, it would be like Jesus, my wife, my kids, Coldplay, the Canucks, Mexican food. Coldplay was so good, but... But here's what I have to say about Coldplay, is that I think the Canucks are actually, I love more than Coldplay, and here's how I know, because when the Canucks lose, it hurts so bad, right? And it seems like, as a Canucks fan, I have a lot of hurt feelings all the time. But this season's going to be different, right? Bring on the playoffs, yeah, something like that. Um, but I know that in my life, and in a lot of our lives, we can carry a disordered set of loves where some of our loves are out of place, where their priorities are a little messed up, whether it's certain affections we have for things that are out of place, like money or food or followers online or people that we're attracted to, a career, a home, vacations, that we have all these different things that kind of stir up different desires or, or loves or wants in us. And so we carry these disordered set of loves. And the thing is, is that in order for those to be put in the right place, we need to be evangelized. Evangelism is a reordering of loves. 
Evangelism is simply a reordering of loves that puts Christ at the top and then allows him to sort out what comes after him. On this final week of our series, I'd like to suggest that evangelism, which is sharing the good news about Jesus, is actually for each of us in every moment of every day, that it's not just for my friend who doesn't know Jesus. It's not just for people who are new to faith, but that evangelism is for each of us in every moment of every day. I need to remind myself that I need him, that, that I need to be evangelized, that this is good news that my heart needs to rediscover every day so that my highest love and my greatest joy is in Christ alone. And then he is able to rank the loves that come after him. 200 years ago, uh, there was a Scottish pastor and theologian named Thomas Chalmers, and he preached a famous sermon with the title, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. In his famous sermon, he inspires Christians to remove the snares and, and, and sin from our lives, but it's not through legalistic obedience to the law, but through the power of a new and greater affection for God. He was making the point that... that the best way to live a life of freedom from sin and from temptation and from problems is not to fight against sin and temptation and problems because that's futile. It doesn't work. He believed the best way to live a life of freedom was to fall in love with something better, to fall in love with something that we love more. He believed that we needed a new affection, and he wrote, The love of the world cannot be expunged by a mere demonstration of the world's worthlessness. But may it not be supplanted by the love of that which is more worthy than itself? He's saying that we're not going to be able to get rid of the sins and temptations of the world by just focusing on how bad they are. That that's just going to leave us annoyed and frustrated and disappointed and discouraged but that only can they be supplanted by a love that is greater and more beautiful and more meaningful than any other love. So when a new affection or a new love hits our life, that there's an expulsive power to it. And what does that mean? It means that this new love or new affection kind of expels or eliminates things that are contrary to it. Former priorities and loves are pushed to the side when something better moves in because a greater love expels a lesser love. Have you ever gotten a new puppy? Do you know anyone who has a new puppy? Chances are you know someone because if someone has a new puppy, they're going to tell you, okay? If you have a new puppy, right now on staff at North Langley, we have two people that have new puppies, and we hear about it a lot. Isaac and Hannah, who like lead worship here, they have a new puppy, and uh, it's like, where's Isaac? Why isn't he at the meeting today? Oh, he's at home with his puppy. So you can mention that to him if you see him. Uh, but here's what happened to us when we got a new puppy. We have two dogs. We got them both as puppies. When, when my son uh, Liam was 14, we got him a dog, and, and we named him Ozzy, and uh, about a week, maybe two, after we got Ozzy, he got super sick, okay? And we, we loved our new puppy. It was so, it, like, cute and oh, all the puppy stuff. Uh, and then he got really sick in the middle of the night. And uh, he got sick enough that we were like, we don't think we can wait till the morning to take him to the vet. So we took him to the much more expensive all-night vet. If, you, if you've met that place, you know. Um, and so every time they were going to do something to him, give him fluids or, or give him different medicine, they would come out and they would say, just so you know, we're, we think we need to do this thing to, to Ozzy, and it's going to cost this much money. And we were just like, 
Well, I guess it cost that much money because it was our new puppy. It didn't matter how much it cost because our budget out the window when it came to taking care of our new puppy because we were experiencing the expulsive power of a new affection for our dog. Nothing else mattered. And so if we apply this back to Jesus, this expulsive power of a new affection is evangelism. As we've been learning for the last four weeks, evangelism is sharing the good news, that the good news that the love and life of God has arrived in Jesus, and that the love, life, and light of Jesus, when it arrived, it was good news, and it had an expulsive power to it, because I actually need this new affection for Jesus to remove the loves in my life that shouldn't be there, to push the broken things, the lesser things, the hurtful things, the sinful things, the damaging things, to push those things out of my life. And I want this new affection, this love for Jesus to reorder the loves that should be there, to take things that are in the wrong place and to uproot them and to move them and to replant them where they should be in my life. This new affection has changed my life, and it also changed the life of a man in the Bible named Zacchaeus. Today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to be reading the story of Zacchaeus, who had a deep love for money. We're going to pick it up in Luke 19, verse 1. This is the word, and it says, Jesus entered Jericho, uh, sorry, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was a short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Anyone have a song in their head right now? Yeah, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not sure it's politically correct anymore. But uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. See, Zacchaeus had, uh, the, sorry, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. And this is the place where sin is most evident in your home. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and it said that he was a chief tax collector. And what that meant was, is that he would have uh, paid a great price in order to have the right to collect taxes on behalf of the occupying nation of Rome. He would have been collecting taxes, and the way tax collectors made their money was, is they would charge more money than was required. And so they made their wealth on the backs of the poor who could barely have enough money to pay their taxes. And so, um, so when, when people, or sorry, when Jesus says he's going to come to his house, it is the place where Zacchaeus' sin is the most evident, because uh, that's the place where Zacchaeus would have had all of his ornate decorations. He would have had the biggest house in the neighborhood. He would have had all these things. He likely would have had servants. Uh, and so it was unthinkable that a religious teacher like Jesus, a holy man, would come into the home of his of, of a traitor. And so it says in verse 7 that all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, at the table of a sinner, to have fellowship with a sinner. Because when you went into someone's home to eat a meal with them in this time, in this culture, it wasn't just a meal. It was an alignment. It was an acceptance. It was standing for what they stand for. It was aligning yourself with the personhood and character of your host. And in the moment when Jesus aligns himself with Zacchaeus and accepts him, I believe that Zacchaeus not only saw Jesus, but he saw his sin and his wealth for what it was. And he had a beautiful conviction. Not a condemnation, 
He wasn't condemned, but he had a conviction. And I believe that life began to kind of bubble up or swell up within Zacchaeus, and that he started experiencing the expulsive power of a new affection. And I love kind of tying it back to what we talked about last week. Uh, Zacchaeus is about to do something awesome in the next verse here. And, and what he does, he does without Jesus saying any words in his home. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. They go to his house, and we record no other words of Jesus until Zacchaeus does something awesome. It sounds to me like Jesus was really good at listening and didn't do a lot of talking. It sounds like he was cultivating good conversations with Zacchaeus because in verse 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. It's kind of like he's turned into Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas morning, and he's running through the town. Merry Christmas. Here's your money back. What was lost has been found. If you've been cheated, it's being returned. And, and I've heard it said that Zacchaeus fed the poor of Jericho that day by having dinner at Zacchaeus' house. Jesus fed the poor of Jericho by having dinner at Zacchaeus' house. Because in Numbers chapter 5, it talks about what to do if you've been cheated or wronged or if, or if you have cheated or wronged someone. This is what it says you're supposed to do in Numbers chapter 5. It says, the guilty party must confess the sin that they have committed and make a full restitution for the wrong they have done. They're to add a fifth of the value to it and give it all to the person that they have wronged. That's in Numbers chapter 5. So you're supposed to give it all back plus 20%, plus a fifth. But that's not at all what Zacchaeus does. He gives back four times the amount. He does so much more. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just do what is required. He goes so much far beyond, and he starts to have a heart for the people that he has wronged. He starts to care about the people that he's been cheating. And so he doesn't just do what is required. He actually starts to care for them. And then Jesus says this in verse 9 and 10. It says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love this verse. Jesus is an evangelist. He is here to seek and save the lost, and he doesn't just spend time with his disciples and his family and his friends. He's a seeker. He saw Zacchaeus, and he knows that he's lost, and he initiates a friendship and a relationship with Zacchaeus that really matters, and he listens to him. And he listens to him and allows Zacchaeus to respond. He invites himself not into just Zacchaeus' home, but into his life as well. And Jesus makes it clear that on that day, salvation came to Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus was lost and he needed to be found. And that's actually the really good news. That's evangelism. That's what my friends and loved ones need. And according to Thomas Chalmers, it's also what I need every single day. Because a big point of Zacchaeus' story is that he was so consumed by his love for money that he needed to be freed of that false or hurtful love. He needed a deeper love to overwhelm his life. He needed a new affection to eclipse all other loves. He needed the expulsive power of a new affection. See, I believe that evangelism isn't only for those who don't know the good news because I actually forget the good news all the time. I forget the good news, and I need to be re-evangelized every single day. I need my priorities to be made right and aligned when they get crooked, crooked or bent or out of order, that I actually need to be good news every day. Let me give you an example, because many of us are shaped by lies or false truths or half-truths, 
And, and many of us have messages which are lies in our lives. That, that, and one of the biggest ones is that more things are going to make us happy. And that my purpose comes from the pleasure of consuming. My purpose comes from the pleasure of that next big purchase, that next thing that's going to make me happy. And we, happy. It might not, we might not say it this way, but if we follow this consumerist desire for things around us, it leads to all kind of misplaced affections in our lives. Misaligned affections for um, food or sex, forms of ambition, adrenaline, career advancement, a more exciting relationship, new purchases, new things, the affirmation and praise of other people. And I know that in my life, I need to be reminded every day to have a counterformation against the messages that hit me every single day, against the lies that come through comparison and disappointment and false promises that messaging gives me. So I need a counterformation. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an ongoing process. It's something we do every day. So I believe the best way to be free, the best way for my mind to be renewed, the best way for my life to be transformed is to me be evangelized and good news every day, to experience the expulsive power of a new affection. See, I need the love of Jesus to move in my life to eclipse all other loves. And like Zacchaeus, I need Jesus to come into my house and my heart, and to reorder my loves. Because I am not just a consumer of goods. I am not going to be happy by the next big purchase. I'm not going to be happy by buying the things in my Amazon cart. I'm not going to be happy by, by walking out of a store with a whole bunch of bags. I'm not going to be happy with a bigger home or with a nicer car because that is not what I am made for. I am actually made in the image of God. I am an adopted child of God. He calls me his son. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was made for so much more than a consumerist lifestyle. Jesus shed his blood for me. He lived and he died and he rose from the dead in order that I might have new life and now I am filled with the Holy Spirit and with the love of God and, and when I believe this and when I'm re-evangelized every day I have a vision for my life and it's a vision of freedom and forgiveness and real purpose see my true purpose now is to love God and love my neighbor I'm called out of kind of a primal animalistic consumption lifestyle to a self-giving love and like Zacchaeus I am freed I need the expulsive power of a new affection and to be evangelized and good news all the time. A.W. Tozer said, God wants the whole person, and he will not rest until he gets us in entirety. No part of the man will do. Now, this is why I believe it's important, because if evangelism is only about getting people to follow Jesus or to know about Jesus, then they become a project, and then we lose humility. See, before we share the life-changing power of Jesus with others, it needs to transform us first. So we're the first people we need to evangelize. So when I come to my friend and say, not just that this is good news that has changed my life, but this is good news that is continually changing my life, and it's, and it's reprioritizing my, my loves all the time. It's reminding me that I need the good news of Jesus to, to reorder my loves every single day and that each of us are like Zacchaeus that need Jesus to come into our homes and put things in their correct place. So in this reordering of loves that I'm sharing with the person I care for, is it something that I'm experiencing myself? We need to experience ourselves. And when we experience ourselves first, there's authenticity there and with that comes humility. 
So are we allowing the good news of Jesus to impact our hearts today? Are we allowing Jesus to move into our homes and change our priorities and how we live? Are we experiencing the expulsive power of a new affection? The Great Commission is from Matthew 28, and, and it's one of the most famous verses, and it's kind of like the charge or the calling that Jesus gives his church when he returns to heaven. And it's something that is both for us corporately and for us as individual Jesus followers. And this is what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, when our orders are put in their proper alignment, we are equipped to live out the great commission that Jesus gave us, both corporately and individually. Because this is where I think it's key, that reordering our loves increases love for the lost. Reordering of our loves increases our love for the lost because part of that correct ordering is a love for people who don't know or experience Jesus yet. To, we, we want them to experience his love, to experience a new identity, a new life, a new hope, a new purpose, to experience the forgiveness of sins and the transformation that comes from living your life as a beloved child of God. See, part of re, Jesus reordering Zacchaeus' love was an increased love for his neighbor, a love to his community, to share the good news, to care about the poor, to right the wrongs that he had committed to his neighbors, to give far more than he was required to, to love more deeply than anyone would imagine. See, a reordering of our loves includes a love for the lost. A reordering of loves includes a love for the lost, for our neighbors and friends to experience the life-changing power of Jesus. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, your job is actually to make disciples. Christianity can be described as disciples making disciples. That's actually what it's all about. We are disciples of Jesus and we're called to make other disciples. Evangelism is kind of built into the job description. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, you can't escape it. And like Zacchaeus, most of us need Jesus to come into our homes and increase our love for evangelism, to increase the love that we have for our lost friends and family. In the Great Commission, it talks about baptizing people in the name of Jesus, and I just want to do a quick tangent here. Baptism Sundays are my favorite Sundays uh, as a pastor, and our next Baptism Sunday is on November the 19th, and that's still a ways away, but classes are going to be starting soon on October the 16th, and classes were never a requirement for baptism, and they're not really a requirement for baptism today, but we do encourage people and we ask people to take time to try and better understand what baptism means before they actually get baptized. So it's a time to review some of the, the basics of our Christian faith and to, to help uh, make sure that people have a, a, an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. So if you're following Jesus and haven't yet been baptized, I would love for you to consider if this fall is a time for you to get baptized. I would encourage you to come talk to myself or one of the other staff and we would love to, to talk with you about that and help you decide whether or not it is the right time for you to get baptized. And just so you know, getting baptized doesn't mean you have this all figured out. It doesn't mean you understand all the deep, complex theology of Christendom, right? It doesn't mean that you have your life totally in order and that you have conquered and defeated every sin in your life. Getting baptized just means that you are following Jesus and you're, you're giving the rest of your life to him. 
And then baptism is the symbol of this new life. And, and as we go down into the waters of baptism, it's like when we're buried and, we're die, and we die with Christ. And then when we come out of the waters of baptism, it's a symbol of the resurrection and the new life that we have with Christ. So that's what baptism is. And so if that's something that you're considering, please come talk to me. But the point I want to make is that the Great Commission and Zacchaeus are connected because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Salvation came because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so my question is, who are we seeking after? Who has God given you a heart to share the good news of Jesus with? Who needs you to show up in their lives and ask good questions and to listen well without judgment and to point conversations towards things that matter? What if Jesus could overwhelm your heart and my heart with a love for the lost that made us have a, a, such a high priority for evangelism in our lives that we couldn't help but share the five out of five star rating good news about Jesus with people that we encounter? What if this new affection, this, this new love could transform the lives of our friends and neighbors and they could experience what it means to be a loved, accepted, adopted son and daughter of the king? See, I want that. And evangelism isn't just for my friends, it's for me as well. I need it. I need the good news of Jesus to, to evangelize my heart every day so that he is my highest delight and my greatest love. It says in Romans chapter 5 that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, God's heart is for you, and God's heart is for me, and God's heart is for our friends and family that don't yet know him. And so may God's love for our friends and family and neighbors be poured into our hearts as we aim to live out the Great Commission and let that expulsive power of a new affection reorder our lives. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. Before we pray, I want to invite up the worship team. And uh, I want to remind you that we have uh, prayer teams here at North Langley. We, we believe in the power of prayer. We know prayer is really important. A lot of us have been praying for people every day at 1102. Uh, that's... A Luke 11.2, where we pray, your kingdom come. And so if there's someone that you want to pray for, someone that you would love to, to encounter the good news of Jesus, I would encourage you to come and talk to people on our prayer team. They would love to pray for you with, about your friends, your family that, that you would love to, to have good conversations with. As well, I mean, chances are you came here with baggage today. We all come to church and we, we try and look good and we put on our like good church face, but we're all going through things right now. And so if you're going through something and you just need some support, you need some encouragement, I would encourage you to come talk to our prayer team. They're not counselors. They're not going to try and, and give you deep wisdom or words of advice, but they will pray for you. And that's what they do. And so our prayer team is going to be here at the front on either side, as well as in the prayer room, which is just across the foyer there. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can experience what it means to be a beloved son or daughter of the King. God, as we, as we think about what it means to have the expulsive power of a new affection in our lives... God, may you reorder our loves and our priorities. God, things that we love that, that are, are pulling us away from you, God, I pray that, that you would break the chains of that affection by a greater love. God, may you expel things in our lives that are actually hurtful or damaging. 
And God, may you replace that with a greater and better love for you. God, may your love for us just push all those things away. And God, the things that we have in our lives that we do love that are good loves, God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize them correctly and to put them in their right place. And for many of us, we need you to come and give us an increased love for the lost, an increased love for evangelism, an increased love for sharing our faith with our friends. Because for a lot of us, it's just really hard. It's not something that comes naturally to a lot of us. So I pray that you would increase that love. And so Holy Spirit, we give you our hearts and our lives like Zacchaeus. We want to run around and share the good news of Jesus with those in our lives. Help us to do that well in the powerful name of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.